Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, Natty from Fickle Friends at Big Warm Welcome to Headliner Radio. How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, are you in London today, is that right? I am. I literally got back to London last night from Brighton. Yeah, so are you all, all of you from Brighton originally? We're not. We're kind of like we met at uni there, and that's kind of where the band's based. And it's still where we like have our mm. studio, and we kind of we're doing this kind of crazy little show on Friday. So we we're just getting back into rehearsals yesterday. But now I'm currently sat in my bedroom, looking at the gorgeous sunshine in London. Yeah, it's suddenly decided to be summer, hasn't it? <laughs> I know. It keeps, <laughs> it's like teasing us, right? It's ridiculous. Um, oh, did you meet? Uh, was there's like a big school in Brighton? Is it the Brighton Institute? Is it? That is right. Is that, that's where we went. Oh, cool. So what were you all like studying there? And yeah, how um, was that? So um, most of us, so I was studying songwriting and um, Jack, who's in the band, was just on my course. But I actually went to Lippa, the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts for a year before. Mm. <laughs> and that's where I met Sam, our drummer. And we were just like on the music course there. But we moved down and um, yeah, we just kind of all met around and about Brighton Institute. So you went to leap around the Brighton Institute, that's a pretty big deal, I would say, for being to both. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I think, think it's more kind both. of my indecisiveness, perhaps, but um, it was very fun to do both. I, they're like two of my favourite cities in the world, so I felt very mm. blessed to be able to live in both cities for a while. Yeah. Is the rest of the band based in Brighton? Thing? I was just going to say, it's interesting, a lot of seem to have more musicians being based in Brighton just because London's ludicrously expensive and um, it's just more chill down there yeah. I think um but yeah like two of the guys in the band are actually from um are like born and bred in Worthing which is like a town just um west of Brighton so they're kind of that's like their neck of the woods yeah no amazing um so just to properly introduce you so you're the lead singer of Fickle Friends, a kind of brilliant pop indie hybrid band. Did you guys recently surpassed 120 million career streams? Is that right? So big congrats. Oh, I don't that. know. <laughs> oh, I'm just reading the press release. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, hopefully that's not fake news. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope it's not. Um, I think that sounds about right. But yeah, that's pretty exciting. That's cool. Yeah. But, I love um, that they, they do their homework more than I do. <laughs> I try not to chase like these milestones because like I get like a little bit too obsessive and like it starts to haunt me a little bit. So <laughs> I just kind of like yeah. let things just like wash over me. And, you know, if like some good news comes my way, then I'm like, yay. And I'm not kind of pining for it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, of course. Yeah. Those little streaming numbers, they give you a little dopamine hit and then. They do. You, yeah. You just want more, don't you? <laughs> Next. What now? <laughs> it's not quite the same as a fan saying you've, save my life or you change my life or whatever is it yeah that's it's, that's its own special thing <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah in terms of this intro we're doing could you would you mind giving a sort of brief history of how you personally became interested in music and then i think we've kind of touched on how the band came to be but if there's any big details we missed that'd be amazing to go over as well sure um so i got into music i'm not like it's not like i'm from a specifically musical family but my mum is kind of like an old school hippie and i she was taking me to music festivals with her literally since i was a toddler so i was kind of surrounded by like live music and just like that general aura from a very very young age and so i was always very interested in it and 
you know, I just kind of would attack my parents' CD collection every single day. And it was a lot of like Macy Gray and Madonna and ABBA and Prince. And I just, yeah, I just kind of became fascinated by like music in the 90s and the early noughties. I just, I loved it so much. Um, and also I was quite, you know, I was quite lucky. I was um, quite privileged in the fact that I got to kind of do quite a lot of music lessons when I was a kid and I tried so many different things. I like played the drums for a bit when I was having like my rebellious tomboy stage and playing the piano a lot and then guitar. And I, I just started writing songs, I think probably when I was about six, five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my first song was a song called Come On, Get Going, Get Grooving. Um, it still holds up. I thought you'd like to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just, I just, it was kind of like my own me time and I had a bit of a turbulent like time with my parents' divorce and everything going on. And I moved out and I think music was the kind of the thing that allowed me to like vent when I didn't really know how to. Um, mm. And it was always there. And even though I was kind of pushed to kind of like, you know, seek a career that was a little bit more stable. It just kind of ended up always kind of coming through as the winner. And that's when I decided to go to um, Lipper to drama school. Um, but yeah, so that's where, I, that's where I met Sam. Um, I actually went to drama school to do musical theatre <laughs> for some reason. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I, I sucked. I really sucked. Um all those tutors there were like, you've got too many bad vocal habits, like blah, 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 blah. And I got really bummed out about it. And I just ended up playing like keys and a few people's bands, just kind of sat at the back of bands, often mm. with Sam playing drums as well. And I just, I was like, well, this is the thing that makes me happy, but I don't want to be in someone else's band. I want my own. Um, and that's when we moved to Brighton. And I think because I'd had that year to like figure myself out a little bit, there was no kind of floundering when I moved down, you know, like the kind of freshers week floundering of like people like not knowing what to do or what they want to do. And I kind of, mm-hmm. I went down there being like, I'm going to start a band straight away. And yeah, I just kind of <laughs> perhaps in a slightly bossy way, just kind of roped in a few people. And I was like, these are my songs. We're going to play my songs. Um, and that was kind of, how fickle friends died I guess but it was it was just under my name at that point and I was kind of like going for this like indie folk pop thing like an early Ellie Golding thing mm-hmm. um and I was playing acoustic guitar and yeah it sucked I mean most of my music sucked until probably like two years ago <laughs> um, but yeah mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of grew from there I guess Oh, so you're one of those festival families. I, I always see those at like Glastonbury or I've got to go to Latitude this year. I see these parents with their kids at festivals. I'm like, I wonder what that would have been like actually going to festivals when I was like six years old. <laughs> it was yeah. it was wild. I um I used to get lost all the time. Um, like the Red Cross was like my bread and butter. Like I always I'd wander off. <laughs> uh, I'd get lost. I'd get picked up by. At, th- at that time I thought they were kind of like a nice older couple but in reality it was probably like a couple of like 21 year olds do you know what I mean <laughs> and they, mm. I remember someone like like took me bought me an ice cream and took me straight to the Red Cross and I was just kind of hanging out there until I got found <laughs> by my mum <laughs> that would always happen I think Chumbawamba were like on stage at that point well there you go <laughs> it's a very very vivid memory of mine. yeah amazing um <laughs> So with Fickle Friends, it's as a music journalist, it's very, very tough to 
define in words? I mean, in your own words, what, yeah, how do you describe the sound of the band? Um, it's tough because it's changing. And like with this new record that's on its way, it's way more guitar driven. So it's definitely like an alt, an alternative indie record for sure. Mm. Um, there's definitely pop moments. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's so difficult when I have to try and pigeonhole it because it's just alternative indie to me because we're not just a pop band but a lot of it is very very it is pretty like shiny since pop um but yeah i think just slapping the word alternative in front of it mm-hmm. kind of it gives this nice like vague idea of what it might be but um we just write music mm. that's fun do you know what i mean it like what makes you move because i i suppose in your previous music, the guitars have a slightly more subtle role at times. Um, but did yeah. you guys decide to bring them more to the forefront then for this album? I think it was just the more you're playing live, the more it just, because it, it always was more guitar driven when we played live, just because it seemed mm. to work that, that way. Um, and yeah, I think we've just kind of, we've come through that phase of like shiny pop music and, we just it's just a bit more angsty and I think the songs we were writing were just a little had a little bit more grit about them and it just kind of went hand in hand with the guitars and Jack was always just playing synth and had like a sample pad and I think because we've been writing a lot more guitar like he's gotten better and now he plays live and it's kind of I don't know it just allows us to create this more engaging fun live show um mm-hmm. we recently played a festival in the uk and like it's kind of the first time we don't have to like prompt a mosh pit and someone laughed at me like ha like people mosh at your shows i was like no they do they do now it happens <laughs> yeah i mean people mosh at drake so why would they not mosh it? <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> um yeah i was i was really keen to ask about that you've been gradually re-entering gigs again how's how's that been has it been just total euphoria for you or? It has been total euphoria, although it's kind of been tied up with a little bit of, <laughs> with with a few things, just like our bassist, like dislocated his elbow and we had to cancel a couple of festivals that came back. And then he then got COVID and was in intensive care with COVID and it was really scary and horrible. So we had to like create this hybrid show without him. And so after cancelling a couple, we only had like a couple more. So it's been like this really, really fleeting festival season, but the first one we played was I, I just I wept I was it's just it was so overwhelming because you just kind of think that nobody cares anymore and you don't know if there's going to be anyone still wanting to come and see you when we turn up at that festival and like even the people who like own the land don't remember us they're like oh my god if you come up from Brighton it's so good to have you back and just bumping into all the old bands you used to tour with and yeah it was it really it really really was euphoric I can't, there's no other way to describe it yeah, it was almost quite overwhelming because that's a very long time to not play gigs. And you're a band who are pretty regularly performing live. Yeah, it's kind of our way. thing. I think um, I think with bands who started at the time that we did, which was kind of this like 2013, 2014 time, and it was just on the cusp of like social media really getting big and starting and it still wasn't Mm. huge so our whole thing was touring and shows and like live and that's kind of what we've like lent on so you know over the last couple of years it's really really I don't think I really realized how much of like a gaping hole had left and so coming back to it I was like oh wow 
this is what I do. This is who I am. Yeah. So how was that whole experience? Um, hopefully it wasn't as bad as waking up every day and being miserable. You weren't performing that day, but yeah, how, how did you, how did you feel that? Cause that's a very big hole, you know, thousands of people singing back your lyrics and it's a very special thing, isn't it? And I think with yeah. some musicians, it becomes almost an addiction, doesn't it? And so when it's taken it is, away from it you is like, like that, a drug. Um, yeah, it's pretty weird being a musician because, like, every if you've got an addictive personality, like everything's addictive. That is, people singing back your lyrics, that engagement with people, and even you know that social media and like stream numbers and everything. It's all so addictive, and you know, I kind of got into this place of constantly checking like Spotify for artists and checking like numbers going up and stuff. Mm. It's just a bit crazy, but yeah, the whole of the lockdowns, it w- it was. I'm not going to lie, it, it was low. It was it was bad and it wasn't it was kind of of a combination of things of just like live music and our job falling away and not being able to kind of carry on with like the record that we had planned but like I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time and we ended up breaking up and we had we stayed we were like trapped in the house (laughs) like had to stay there and it was just it felt like my entire world had fallen apart um which is why I started writing a lot of those songs from Weird Ears, like Cosmic Coming of Age, because I was, think I was kind of looking for answers or like an explanation of like why this was all happening at once. Um, mm. And I just felt like I was kind of floundering and a bit desperate. But yeah, um, as time went on, it was just like, what, what can we do in this time? And the only thing we could do was write. Um, and I'm glad we did because it meant that we wrote a whole new album and the one that's coming out, you know, that we're announcing today. And I like, I'm so proud of it and it's so meaningful and it's such a like, like overview moment of like the last couple of years. So I know looking back, like in however many years I'll look back at it and I'll be like, Oh, that was a dark, dark time. But mm-hmm. look at the amazing things that came from it. So as you were saying, did you understandably fall more into the digital side of um, the music, as in, you know, Instagram? And I think you said you kept checking Spotify for artists. And um, I mean, it's so weird and abstract, isn't it? Like having followers on Instagram and Spotify. And I can only imagine that playing in a pub to like three people is so much more gratifying than, you know, 10 million streams or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever it is does that, does that make sense but yeah did you naturally fall yeah, into that because it it's like you can't go out there was nothing else to do I don't think and like TikTok became a huge thing and everyone moved online because there was nowhere else to be like that was the space where music that's the space that music took up at the time and I've never had a very good relationship with these kind of social media platforms I find them quite stressful I don't really like them um and then obviously there's a lot of pressure to kind of do well on them now <laughs> so, mm. and, and my manager was like you gotta join tiktok you gotta do tiktok i was like there's too many things i'm like running all these channels i just i literally just want to lock myself in my bedroom and write music i don't want to have to do all of this stuff but you kind of have to um and i think at least when like the world is open and you're doing festival season and you're touring like it's just more natural there's stuff to talk about there's things to do and I don't know. I, I, I really found, I was like, I'm kind of just at home and I haven't got like loads of things to be telling the internet about all the time. And mm. I don't want to like shove. I just, yeah, I just didn't think it was interesting. So I just, yeah. I, maybe I just don't have that thing that you need 
do you know what I mean to be kind of a TikTok star? I definitely don't. Um, <laughs> but I did feel a tremendous pressure to kind of have to do it all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's not that's not me taking away from anyone who does do it. I think it's great, and I think it's an awesome platform and a wonderful way to kind of discover new artists and creatives. But yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird being back at festivals. And it's all these new artists. And I'm like, who are they? And they're like, oh, they're big on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think an important question to ask is, I mean, obviously your career is going amazingly well, but um, it's not like Fickle Friend is a legacy app like Red Hot Chili Peppers where the Spotify streams keep you afloat. I mean, so that must have been, was that quite tough? Like, um, I'm, I'm just assuming live revenue is very key for you guys. Yeah, that's, the, that's where we yeah. make, you know, our income. So the fact that that wasn't there has made it quite a struggle and everyone's had to get quite um, <laughs> good at finding other avenues of just kind of surviving, I guess, like mm. many, many other kind of, you know, independent artists and stuff have had to do. And we're quite good at like hiding it behind the scenes. And it's so, so weird. I think I got a message from someone just being like, Oh, I think it was like after like Louis Tomlinson had tweeted about our song or something. And it was, they'd made a, an assumption mm. about, us just kind of like you know being rich and living this flashy life and I was like <laughs> the reality is I I have like three jobs like I'm a yoga teacher I do design work I do all these things to support myself so I can continue to do fickle mm. friends do you know what I mean it's not it's yeah. not just plain sailing especially at the moment but um yeah we've got a <laughs> a long way to go with streaming if we want to kind of you know make it any sort of longevity there but no, of it course. could be worse, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's dreadful. But um, but on the positive side, so um, yeah, you've just at the time of speaking, you've literally just announced your new record, and yeah, the thing that struck me initially is the title. Um, are we going to be all right? So um, yeah, could you just talk us through the yeah. name firstly? Um, it's so funny because um, I never start a um. I'm looking at it now. I'm going to close it down. <laughs> I never, I never start like a, an app writing an album with the title. Mm. Um, it's always like the last thing that we decide because I always want to choose something that kind of like sums everything up. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, are we going to be all right? Was it was, it was the last song. It's actually a title of a song on the album. And it's the last one we wrote. And I think we wrote it a week before everything was going for mastering. Um, and it's just a phrase that I kept thinking to myself over the course of like that year and a half. And I'm, I was literally just like, are, are we, are we going to be all right? Like, is the bank going to be all right? Are we all going to be all right as individuals? Are we going to be able to carry on? Are people going to want to carry on? Because it was really like, I know so many people who have just like, screw this and have like, packed it in and couldn't handle it and it's kind of you know this weird period now of like trying to come swim back to the surface um yeah but that that phrase is it was literally just the question like lingering over my head throughout the writing process of the record every, every time um so it just kind of felt natural to make that and it's kind of like i hope that people read it in like a, a semi like hopeful way <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah it's definitely not supposed to be negative but yeah yeah i think people that know your music would know it's not straight up a negative 
self-answering negative question is it um yeah for sure um i mean i've, I've read i understand that um to some of you i don't know which of you this applies to but i read that some of you tried quote unquote actual therapy and that didn't go well and so the album itself served as a therapeutic process is that correct yeah it did um it was i did well i did actually start therapy i did um it was in like november last year um mm. and i just went because I was struggling and I was in a bad way. And I think it was, you know, as the kind of the aforementioned stuff with the kind of relationships and everything mm. to do with that and, and music and everything and the job falling away. Um, and I had, I had, it was eight weeks, but it actually, I think it was more like 12 weeks in the end, they extended it. And I came out of it feeling like I had gotten like somewhere, but maybe taken like half a step forwards do you know what I mean? Mm. And there was, uh, there's so much more to do and I, I may very well go back to it at some point, but at that point I just really wanted to immerse myself in writing this record. And yeah, I think everyone who writes music will always say it's a means of therapy. It's a way of kind of processing things and like venting things that maybe you wouldn't be able to say to another person. So um, mm. that's definitely what this record has been. Um you know, there's moments of darkness, there's moments of light, and it's kind of covers all bases. Mm. I think just the the winter lockdown was so brutal in general as well. I found that really tough, just you know, not being able to go yeah. anywhere. And it, it, when it gets dark, like four thirty, that's that's not nice at the best of times. But when you're you don't really have anything to distract you <laughs> from that, yeah. I found that really tough. So I think we all yeah. did. It was it was it was really really tough. Um, yeah, it was a weird Chris and Christmas especially was really weird. Mm. <laughs> but you know, the sun's yeah. out and the world's coming back. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. everything's on the up. Yeah, and it's a sunny September out of nowhere. Yeah, um, a late surge of summer. <laughs> um yeah, and can you just tell us about um so again at the time of speaking, Lobby Steph dropped today the lead single, is that right? Yes. Yeah, can you talk us through that again? I apologise that I've not had the technical skills to listen to it, so could you <laughs> please tell me about the song? Um, yes, so I actually I actually wrote it. <laughs> it was weird. So um, I feel like I'm just talking about breakups constantly, but um, <laughs> so I broke up with my boyfriend in lockdown and we'd been together for like four years. It'd been a long time. Um, and it was like a relief and I had that moment of kind of clarity and then I ended, I moved out and it was fine and then suddenly out of nowhere it was like I had that moment of like what the fuck have you done as everyone does and then you remember everything with rose-colored glasses you know you just you don't remember any of the reason that you broke up with them you remember all the good stuff and like it just my heart ached and it was so horrible and um, I started keeping a journal because I couldn't sleep and I had a journal by my bed which I would write everything that my brain was thinking before I would go to sleep because I, I was told that maybe it would help me sleep um, <laughs> so mm. I was trying to like write a concept for a song I kind of was going through the pages of this journal and it was honestly it was so wet it was literally just like I miss him so much oh what have I done he's so amazing like listing all these amazing qualities and all these perfect things about him 
And I was just like, oh my God, like, what do I sound like? This is so, this is so insane. And so I just kind of, I really, it was like such an overwhelming feeling of love that I felt. And it was like, I couldn't do anything about it because I'd made this decision. <laughs> so um, the mm. idea of love you to death is literally that is, it's kind of like that feeling, that feeling of like wanting to hold onto someone so tightly that you like suffocate them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, mm. It was a weird, a weird moment. And it's not like a kind of a conventional love song. It's kind of a bit dark and a bit twisted. Yeah, and is it one of these loud and proud guitar songs as we've touched on as well? Or? Sorry, what was that again? Is, it, is this one of those loud and proud guitar guitars at the forefront tracks uh, as we've touched on? It kind on? of is. Do you know what? Um, it is, um, so Jack and I, um, we were listening to a lot of Prince. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and because I like we were just like, I just want something that's like a bit different. And it's like more sparse and more empty. There's not, it's not kind of overpowered with loads of different elements, musical elements. Um, and so we started with this kind of guitar loop. I know, I don't, you know, you haven't listened to it yet, but it kind of starts with this like, do, do, and it's like this guitar thing. And I, I just, yeah I just kind of took on this like new character when I was singing it like and I was like channeling Prince um <laughs> and yeah it just it just came out it's, it's it is guitar driven there's there's some really some of my favorite like riffs and solos we've ever had and we've ever had in a song um it's mm -hmm. just really exciting to me, but I think I definitely think it's a bit of a marmite tune. I haven't even looked on the internet yet to see if people have started playing it. But I think it's going to be kind of, you know, people will be like, oh, <laughs> this is interesting. But yeah, I'd rather they feel like that than just be like, oh, same old fickle friends. Just imagine like the guitars kicking in and like the spirit of Prince kind of taking over, taking over you. <laughs> Did it feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was what was happening to me. He was yeah. kind of, you know, he took, he took on my brain, my body, <laughs> and he made it happen. Yeah, a bit of a Prince exorcism going on sounds quite cool. Um, <laughs> so I guess and you're releasing this record in this sort of, it's not as weird as releasing it in full-blown lockdown, but it's still kind of a semi-weird time to be releasing music where you've got yeah, like gigs it, or like mean... test events and um, <laughs> all of this. So yeah, how's, how's the release plan reflected that, I suppose? Um, I mean, it was, we were originally, we wanted to put out an album in September and I'm really glad we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, then it was going to be like October and then there was this conversation to push it back to January because it's been actually been finished for ages. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do another tour in December. I don't, I just, I don't want the like ghost of 2020 and 2021 like hanging over us I want like a clean slate and I want to go forward in the new world do you know what I mean so it's coming out January 2022 and it's like bam start the brand new year with something really positive and we'll be going straight out on tour and touring that record the week that the record comes out and yeah, and then hopefully, you know, moving into festival season of, of that year and just kind of smashing it. Um, but the rollout from now, 
because it's weird because festivals are done there's not really any shows like most of the tours that are happening over the next two three months are like the ones which have been rescheduled from like two years ago so I think we're just going to be very creative about you know how we roll out the songs um and what kind of what we can do we're doing this um special like album teaser show at the Seabright Arms um in Hackney on Friday it's literally for like mm. 150 people um and yeah I'm just really excited to play for people who've like specifically bought tickets to see us again because it's been so long but um I'm gonna hopefully we're gonna continue doing things like that over the next few months and yeah <laughs> not much I can say just yet it's, it's like day one yeah um so yeah you mentioned you've done a festival but um yeah that must be crazy a headline show well in two days time at the time of speaking um how are you apprehensive about that or just so excited to be on stage doing that again um do you know what I am um, yeah I was originally a little bit apprehensive but I think um I think over the last um, couple of years, it's like, it's almost like less shit's given. Apologies for swearing. <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> it's like, I think I, I used to have really terrible stage fright and I used to get really nervous and be worried about, you know, like technical difficulties or people making mistakes or things happening. And now I'm just like, who gives a crap? Like, that makes you more human. Like, shit happens you just want to put on a good show. So it was weird walking out for those festivals because I was like, Oh my God, why do I not feel this like crippling anxiety that I normally would? And I literally just think it's because I'm, I'm like worst case scenario. What is the worst case scenario? Like the track goes down or like what happened at the second festival we played, like the front of house power completely goes down. We had to like walk off stage and come back on. Like mm. it's just, no one cares. It's a show. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah it's quite a nice feeling it's a weird nice feeling <laughs> because it used to just plague me and I'd wake being on tour I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have a, have a knot in my stomach like all day um and now it's just not there I feel like I'm cured mm. so if there's one thing to be thankful for a pandemic it's giving less shits I guess yeah do you know that amazing Bruce Springsteen quote? It was something like, when I'm about to step on stage, I feel sick. I'm shaking like I'm going to pass out. And that's how I know I'm absolutely pumped for my yeah. show. Which, it's this really cool way of reframing the fact that he's always going to feel like that before he performs. He's bloody Bruce Springsteen. I know. Oh, um, I mean, like, I obviously feel adrenaline and there's nerves, but mm. there's a difference between it, like, ruining my day and now it, like, being able to channel it into that excitement. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If the nerves were there and you're just like, yeah, I've got a gig on Friday, you'd probably give a really average performance. <laughs> yeah. You? So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So do we have another single in the works to be excited for as well for this record? Yes. There's, there's, there's a few, there's a few. Um, <laughs> I can't really say. All... Right. Yeah. Top secret. <laughs> Top secret everyone... stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I want to ask, so we also had the two, weird years eps are they completely independent entities of this album they just kind of stop gaps for the lockdown they, and everything? yeah i think they were you know i think they were stop gaps i think it just was an opportunity for us to continue putting out music in a weird time which was really nice um it meant a lot of writing for us it's like we've essentially done two albums in the space of one um yeah but uh 
there um so there's like kind of select songs from those which are on the album mm. uh but actually we're um i think it's literally just like an exclusive like bundle you can buy when you order our album is we've made a weird years complete cd which is like season one season two and it's the three songs that came up before that which is amateurs pretty great and eats me up so it's like this whole special little album you can get with the with the mm. actual one yeah when i say stopgap i mean it's absolutely top quality music but um <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not one of these things where some of the singles will also appear on your new um i mean yeah there, there are a couple from those so a couple of familiar oh, songs cool. there's a bit of overlap there is yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing um was it um you're also super into yoga was it over the last year or so that you became a fully accredited teacher as well is that right i did i did it was literally as the first lockdown happened um yeah was that partly a necessity or was that something you'd always wanted to do or? um i think i just i just thought well not always wanted to do but like certainly like in the couple of years beforehand I, it was something that i'd thought about and i think i just i'm like in my life i'm constantly looking for like other outlets like kind of creative outlets or things that can take my mind away from music all the time so it allows me to kind of breathe for a second and actually you know <laughs> come up with ideas mm. um and that was one of them um i i came to yoga because i was i was kind of i was anxious i was depressed i was like living in brighton i was like really really poor like i just was stressed mm. um and yeah it was just it just kind of became my coping mechanism um and when I moved to London, it then became like my way of like connecting with a community because I didn't really know loads of people here. Um, and it was like, I literally like walked down the road into the local yoga studio and I was like, can I help? Like, I want to be a student here, but I also, I've got some extra time, a musician, like I work for myself. And they ended up kind of working there and well, well like helping out, I guess, um, and I just instantly had like a family and a group of people I knew in London. And it's, it's kind of stayed that way ever since. Um, and doing my teacher training also kind of provided me with that. Like the people I train with are now like my family. And like, I'm literally like straight after this phone call, I'm going to go and teach a class, um, a studio in Hackney. And it's kind of like this weird second life I have. Mm. <laughs> But I really, I lo I've like, I'm quite good at like compartmentalizing my life in that way. And music is kind of my job and yeah, everything else kind of fits around it. But I was so grateful to have that during the lockdown because when we couldn't go to the studio and we couldn't do music and we couldn't record and we couldn't play, I was just teaching yoga online. Um, and I made this big community. It was like WhatsApp from just, just posting about it on Instagram. And it was like a weird like combination of like my friends and my family and like fickle friends fans and people who just happen to follow me like all on this zoom call like doing yoga from the living rooms every sunday and it was yeah it was quite magical actually yeah i mean is there, do you feel like there's a lovely intersection with all these things like teaching yoga and um i think you love t telling people about veganism and um i think you mentioned you do some like illustration and design Stuff yeah. like there's a lovely intersection of all, especially with yoga. It's like I think the problem in the West is people don't really see it as a philosophy. They 
think of it as more of a bendy exercise that some people yeah <laughs> do, they right? do. But, um yeah does that philosophy kind of inform your musical life and everything else and all these other things i've mentioned I, um, as well? I think the philosophy of yoga is is just a really beautiful thing and it's a really wonderful like the guidelines of how to live your life are just like really inspiring and um i i don't know i th- i think it just I think it makes me more a more grounded person, which allows me to kind of, you know, I channel that into music and I channel that into kind of when we meet fans or we play shows. It just allows me to kind of have this like broader view of like the world, I think. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, and that kind of, I guess, ties into, you know, I kind of, I like care very much about environmentalism and like the planet and veganism like all of the I mean it's all this tutti fruity stuff like I feel like I'm like a walking stereotype to be quite honest but um yeah I don't know I think I probably the main thing is is that like it's the those teachings and that philosophy it just like allows you to become more mindful and that's always something that I've needed because my brain work is overdrive I'm like a highly creative person I do like a million things and I the kind of (laughs) <laughs> I find it very difficult to slow down. Mm. So the, um, yeah. the being grounded and being mindful is such an important thing, like within music, within teaching with it, with all of these things. So <laughs> it's been very yeah. beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say you're in a really cool, very popular band as opposed to if you were, you'd be more of a stereotype if you were playing pan pipes and releasing albums called <laughs> whispers of the spirit or something yeah like that so that's probably help i'm sure you've probably through your instagram etc you've probably turned a lot of people onto yoga i would have thought i think yeah as you know what i think probably i have and it's interesting when i like see like other musicians or i bump into old friends and stuff because they're always just like oh my god like i've been doing your yoga like on your instagram it's like you know like the guy from the amazons <laughs> I'm like that's mm. so weird <laughs> but it's kind of cool um but yeah i do it is uh, maybe it is a weird thing but i don't know <laughs> it's just something i do yeah. now yeah it's a similar thing with being vegan isn't it like you don't exactly do the morrissey approach of walking off stage if you smell meat coming from a stand yeah, no i do not... a really positive approach to that as well I'm not, um, I'll never ever preach about how someone should choose to live their life. And especially like, you don't know what's going on with someone. You don't know what, like how their health is or how their mental health is. So why would I try and shove, you know, my ideas down someone else's throat? I just, I think I just make my, my opinions and my passions kind of, I just, I leave them out there for people to see. And if they, are interested they can become interested um but yeah, yeah. i'll never i'll never enforce force that on anyone <laughs> Do you mm. know what i mean i don't think i'm gonna start like posting videos of like dead animal car- carcasses and like calling people out um no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think that's like my vibe but you know we we do do like kind of quite a lot of work with like we were doing quite a lot with peter when we were touring america and we'd have them coming down to every show and we let them fly her and we let them have chats with the kids and stuff about saving animals. And we do a lot with kind of trying to limit our carbon footprint and offsetting that by planting trees mm-hmm. every time we go on tour. Um, but yeah, so we do bits, you know, 
not as much as we could do, but we do bits. No, that's, that's all amazing, amazing stuff. Um, so, yeah, what's the album release date, may I ask, for Are We Gonna Be Alright? Um, it's the 14th of January, I think. <laughs> I oh, that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. No, I put you on your toes there. Um, I have no it is that I think it is that I just want to double check because I've been known to just like throw a day out there and it just be yeah. completely yeah, wrong. I've got it here, it's January 14th. You're I've nailed it. Correct. <laughs> Smashed okay, it. Good. Um yeah. yeah, and Lovey Steph is out, so that's very exciting. Everyone should go check that out yeah. immediately. Um and yeah, finally, Natty, while the red carpet's out, where would you want to point listeners to for like the best introduction possible? for fickle friends and yeah all the other stuff you do that we mentioned as well um probably i mean probably instagram is the place where everything is <laughs> mm. <laughs> but um if you what are you talking about a song in particular yeah or like a album or ep that you would say or um or a good old this is fickle friends playlist on spotify perhaps. yeah yeah there is there is um there's a playlist called what the fuck is a fickle friend <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, Spotify. and it's just kind of like our pit, our favorite songs at the moment of our own because that's just you know who we are we love our own music um so that's a good mm-hmm. place to start i think it's a good overview of everything yeah wonderful but otherwise good old instagram yeah yeah, yeah. you know not that I, I i don't like it but you know it's, <laughs> it's where all the stuff is i post yeah. all the stuff <laughs> I literally have a ten minute. I have a ten minute limit set on Instagram because otherwise I oh good overindulge daily. Um, yeah, so great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, yeah, thank you, Nancy. It's been amazing to talk to you, and um, so yeah, excited to hear all the new music. Thank um, you. Our best of luck with Friday. That was at the Seabright Arms. Did you say? I presume that, that's is, probably totally is, sold out. Is it? It is sold out very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So then, is there a bigger um, show on the way? or there is so we're touring in January and we'll be playing um, Electric Brixton in London. Oh, that's a very cool menu. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Yeah. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.